welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast, episode, I think, 125? Uh, I think that's, that's right. right. <laughs> uh, thank you, Rach. It's me, Graham, here with the lovely Rachel. Rach, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Um, enjoying the uh, the bonfire night, you know, seeing, seeing the uh, fireworks go off out the window. Um, obviously, Marcy's not very much, um, <laughs> not enjoying it very much, but um, it's very pretty for us to to see them. So uh, that's good. And I have a little glass of wine here as well. So uh, ooh, all nice. Feeling very autumnal, actually. Yes. Speaking of uh, people not enjoying, people and animals not enjoying fireworks tonight, unfortunately, this uh, tonight, Aid is not with us because he mm. is caring for children, uh, one of whom also very much does not like fireworks. And there are a lot of them around everywhere at the moment. So I don't think Aid is getting much in the way of sleep. Um, uh, we're thinking of you, Aid. Uh, <laughs> hope you yeah. get through. Missing you. <laughs> but yeah. we do have a splendid guest with us this evening. Um, somebody who, following on from backing paper earlier this week, Week when we had Dave on, um, uh, when I say earlier this week, I mean literally five minutes ago for Rachel and I, um, <laughs> uh, for a real blast from the past from the early show. It is great this evening to have with us from Ondu Cameras, Elvis Halilovich. Uh, did I get that right, Elvis? That is, that is perfect. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> because, um, Don't ever tell Graham that he's perfect. Uh, we'll, we'll never I, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> um, because uh, when we started, just when we started this podcast back in 2016, <laughs> that's right, mm-hmm. I think it was 20, 2016, um, we started uh, in June 2016. And I think the first or second episode of doing this, I actually took delivery of my Ondu Mark II. Um, so it has been a thing that was right at the beginning of the show. Um, so it's great all these well literally years later to get you on with us Elvis to talk about Ondu to talk about this fantastic company that you guys have got over in Slovenia and of course the new Mark III Um, but let's start off with a little bit about you and your background and how you came to be making bespoke wooden cameras in the forest of Slovenia (laughs) yeah Uh, it's a really interesting story also for myself um it started, how oh, was it now? Maybe ten years ago. I, I, I'm I'm really bad with years because everything kind of merged into into a single happy experience. Uh, but as soon as I entered university, I studied uh, industrial design at the Academy of Fine Arts in Ljubljana. Uh, we had also a course of photography, and I think maybe it was the first semester I sold my digital camera and I just started doing pinholes and uh, my first pinhole was like um, a film film cartridge with uh, with the photographic paper just mm-hmm. your basic first pinhole experience and I remember speaking to my mother on the phone for five or six minutes and exposing exposing that shot that was my like self-portrait and then I developed it, and I was like, "Okay, I really, I really enjoy doing this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue." And after, I don't know how many dozens of paper box cameras and everything possible, uh, one thing led to another. From room-sized uh, pinhole shots that I never showed anybody, and uh, like a lot of experimentation, I really, really were was more into actual technicalities of the cameras than the actual shots. I really like making things, but then I never got to use them so much. I just I just like creating things. And then eventually everything led to the creation of the undo, the first one. Long story short. 
Excuse me. Um, so what was it about pinhole that you'd obviously been shooting? You said you had a digital camera. So photography had obviously been part of your life before um, you went off to university and started studying this. But what is it about pinhole in particular that grabbed you so intensely? I just liked how slow everything uh, takes place. The uh, like even today, me, me and my girlfriend, when when taking pictures uh, with with the with the Mark III down by the Slovenian coast, and I just really really enjoy the. I don't know how to explain this, but I just really feel feel calm, and I really enjoy that process and the imagination. I always imagine the photons going through an unobstructed uh, tiny hole and getting projected onto the photographic material, be it film or emulsion or whatever it is. And to me, that just uh, when when I go even deeper, when I do these shots, when you imagine. These uh, light rays, these photons going from from our sun traveling all the way through here, and then they get to be physically reminded on a piece of paper, and they record my memory of what I was seeing and what I was looking at. And you can apply all of these things with a digital camera or with regular film cameras, which I have in abundance, and I still use them. But I, I just really like the 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 concept that I think into my in in myself that you capture time and those memories and moments. It's not that I just write capturing times and moments on Kickstarter to be to have a catchphrase. I really believe that we do these things. And when I see backers uh, or our users, for instance, uh, one user, I forgot his name, he took a, a, a shot uh, of his wife in labor. And it was, I think, a six or seven hour exposure in the in the maternity ward or how you call it so everything was of course completely blurred but he had in one single shot so many emotions and so much you know drama it's a birth of a new life and these things are really what what captivate me with pinhole photography and i still really uh don't get tired of it yeah that i think that is the one thing about pinhole that to me is so amazing as well is the fact that as you said you can capture such wide slices of time um and um yeah and what that can mean and the uh different applications for that um and when i mean that's a fan the idea of that i mean i i wonder whether the guy's wife um beat him to death with the tripod afterwards because he was taking pictures when he should have been there helping her with the baby but um uh still it's a fantastic idea and um i, I would love to see as, as, as far as far as i understood he just set up the camera and then he went went about his business because yeah. uh the, the camera was there. It was doing its thing. It, the, the, the aperture was open and the exposure took the whole whole duration. So <laughs> I was going to say, I, maybe I, that was the best way. Yeah. If you were going to take a photo, then actually yeah. that was the, the least intrusive. And um, yeah. it meant that he wasn't <laughs> faffing around with the camera the whole time. Just put it in, yeah. in the corner and let it go. So, yeah. That's mm. very yeah. true. So, yeah. on, on to, um, first off. What what does ondu mean? Uh, the name itself. Um, what what is an ondu? Uh, do does one ondu? Is there an ondu? Ondu <laughs> <laughs> is actually a old Slovenian word, a dialectic word, which is not uh, commonly used anymore. Maybe you can hear it in some parts of Slovenia, especially with old folks, and it actually means over there. Over there. 
Yeah. Ah, okay. And like, like you would point to a place and say over yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. You would say, you would say, uh, go undo. You say, go undo, go over there. Oh, perfect. Well, there you go. What a great name, and also it's just a really good name for something. I mean, it's just it's up there with Kodak for me in just nice, snappy names yeah. for things. I kind of think, <laughs> like in English, maybe it would be the word um, yonder, like go yonder. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It could be. It could be. This one is probably also some kind of abbreviation from German or something like that, because Slovenia used to be a part of the Austria. Hungarian uh, Empire, but uh, yeah, mm. it sounded good to me. I actually found it in a dictionary looking for a name for my company, which was even before I made uh, pinhole cameras, I used to make geodesic domes. Yeah, for- so I wanted to ask you about what? that. Yeah, I've seen these. I remember yonks ago, um, probably back when I was looking at the cameras and looking at Ondu and seeing these geodesic ge- domes. So was this something that started as part of your work for university? Um after I finished finished university, um, I got I applied for a project. Uh, my hometown used to be a partner of the capital of culture or something like that, which was Maribor, the second biggest uh, city in Slovenia. And I applied this project. Uh, I wanted to build domes in the middle of the lake in our hometown in hopes of uh, making a sustainable floating platform. Uh, on our lake so it would have to have electricity water heating cooling greenhouses aquaponic systems composting toilets wind turbines and stuff like that Uh, completely independent from any other sources on land and the idea was my 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 main uh, driving uh, kind of goal behind this project was to invite artists from all over the world once per year in the summer and choose around 10 to 12 of them and and put them on this island without any access to any electronics or the outside world. Uh, Oh my God, how do we, how do we apply? How do we do this? (laughs) This is so exciting. I want to be there. (laughs) Yeah, this this was, this was, I was 24 years old then. I never built a single thing in my life. I I just, I just just knew how to make things on 3D on my computer. Uh, That's what what they taught us. And uh, so I said, I'm going to, I'm going to build this. And then eventually we, dealt, we did build these uh, four geodesic domes floating on the, on the lake. But it was, in my opinion, a little bit too soon for, uh, let's, let's call it a green movement or however mm-hmm. uh, we would say. Because the 2012 was yeah. the time when this was happening. And it wasn't so, so popular, at least not in Slovenia, this notion about these things. And the project just didn't get uh, funded enough mm, mm. Uh, by the municipality and so on. Um, and unfortunately, it never really lived to its full potential. But after I got some recognition through the first Kickstarter, they invited me again to cooperate with the with the with the city, but I had to refuse because making cameras was something that I wanted to pursue for a long time. And yeah, it was everybody agrees uh, that it was a shame that it never lived to its full potential. We we had some like minor things happening on it, but it never really lived to that to uh, idea that, that that popped in my head as a young student. 
Did you uh, ever get a chance to see the Eden project in, in the UK? I don't know if you've ha- ever been over here I, and had a chance I, to see I, it. I, I, I know about every geodesic dome in the world. That <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah, you, I, have you ever come over to the UK? I don't know if you've had a chance to no, visit. No, no. Uh, no, but I, I I know about it and I know how it or what the concept was and everything. It's similar what I was trying to do, but one millionth of a scale, uh, smaller. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you you um, that because of the timing with it just kind of didn't get started. So you turned your attention to this desire to make cameras, um, and uh, and on do cameras the first, the Mark I. I mean, the thing that all of your cameras right from the get-go have had in common is that they are all beautifully designed. I mean, they, they, (laughs) on-do cameras, uh, on-do pinhole cameras, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think I actually don't, but I think they are the most beautiful pinhole cameras. I think they are so elegantly designed. Um, They sure are. When you said, okay, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to have, we're going to design a pinhole camera. What problems or what were you looking to do with the pinhole camera? Because there were already pinhole cameras on the market at that point. Um, I'm sure, um, was it Zero Image were already around there making yeah. wooden pinhole cameras? And there were probably others that I'm not familiar with. What was yeah. it you wanted to bring to it that you thought you could do better or differently? The thing is, as a student, I always wanted to get a Zero. Um but it was always out of my budget, you know. I, I just couldn't afford a zero camera with all the shipping costs and everything. And I just started making them out of wood eventually. Uh, when I, uh, in my third, oh, actually in my fourth years of studies, I went to Krakow, to Poland. And they had a proper woodworking shop. And that was my first time being exposed to, to woodworking. And I spent literally every day possible when I could get entrance there uh, from morning till night making making stuff. And one of my professors said, but Elvis, why don't you make a, a wooden camera? Your cardboard cameras, they, they, they're not so stable and you, you, you could give it a go. And it's there where I started using magnets first. That was my first uh, kind of defining feature of the Andus. I, I don't like latches. I don't like knobs i don't like screwing things i like i like to keep everything as simple as possible without any visual interruptions on the actual camera so this is where i learned about about magnets and if if i showed you those first cameras they they were really really far far away from from the first ondu um and so when i came came back home after the floating uh floating city finished um, I sat down and I said, "Okay, let's let's give it a go and let's let's try to make a series of pinhole cameras that people would uh, would maybe enjoy." And my actual goal was ten thousand dollars, and my dream was to make a, let's say a few hundred cameras and then take a bike trip around the world because I really didn't anticipate there's going to be so much uh, so many people interested in pinhole photography. I thought there was just a few of us. Uh, doing these things and it would just you know be a fun little project to make i never anticipated i'll be making it six years later still so as far as my design uh, concepts and ideas uh, was just to make as a simple of a camera possible visually uh, and easy to use those were my kind of criterias and i had a lot of 
troubles making the first cameras. I remember going into the workshop and I just couldn't get it to work. The, I had problems with the, with the winding mechanism before I figured out I could use magnets also for that. I had problems with the, with the shutter, with actually how to make the cameras. Uh, when, for instance, I, I would design it on the computer with these curves that got synonymous for the actual cameras, but then I didn't know how to make these things in real life because cutting those curves by hand it just took so much time. I just wasn't skilled enough to make them in in quantity. And eventually things started falling into place. I remember uh, how I figured out the, the knobs for, uh, for winding with the magnets. Uh, I had a lot of clutter on my desk and I was searching for something and this uh, washer flew towards a magnet. And that was my eureka moment. I was like, oh, I could use the washer for the for the winding knob, and that's how it came up, came to be, and it still, uh, you know, still persists, and it still works. And that that was an accident. I didn't plan on on making that. And yeah, so one thing led led to another, and I managed to create the first cameras. And looking back at them, I'm really thankful for every backer and supporter that that backed us because they are much more different and much simpler than any of these new cameras that we are making. We, you can imagine if somebody is doing something for six years, you kind of um, streamline your production and you look at the actual product, product a bit differently when you're making it than when you first start making something from scratch. It's really rough and... Um, simple and you you can just see that we were we were complete beginners they still made nice nice pictures just the final details of the cameras that i really am passionate about about all the details uh they're they're so much uh, greater in the mark ii and now in the mark ii even better yeah i mean uh, you you're you're so you you've used kickstarter for every iteration so far and yeah. even you know, even the Mark Ones, your first cameras. I mean, that very distinctive shape was in place. A lot of the things um, which make the Ondu cameras instantly recognisable was there, um, and it was a very very successful Kickstarter. You said just now that your plan was to do a Kickstarter, hopefully raise some money, and go and do some travelling and have a nice time, but. Yeah. Obviously, the Kickstarter was so successful, and, and we talked a bit about this a bit with um, Hamish a few weeks ago about what mm-hmm. happens when suddenly you get a lot more backing than you're expecting, and how that changes kind of all of your plans completely. Because suddenly it's not like oh, I, I need to make a hundred or a couple of hundred cameras. You know, you had to make well twelve hundred cameras. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, how how did that change the direction that you were going in, and, and how did you respond to it? After the first Kickstarter, uh, after that success, we actually, I, I was renting a workshop and living uh, at, a, at a farmhouse close to my home. Um, and my parents were living in a, in a, in a flat in Valenia where, where I grew up. And we were always wanting to, to move out from that, from the city and go into the countryside. and. And so on, but there was never really like a proper reason. And the Mark II gave us a reason that uh, 
we go together somewhere and I built my workshop on this on this place and we try to live as sustainably and as freely and uh, I'm also for instance a beekeeper and uh, we grow most of our food and all of these things this this is the result for instance uh, with this first Kickstarter if I just got that let's say my goal I would have gone on the bike travel and who knows where life would take all of us and in the end we all moved to this amazing place where we found uh, not far away from from my hometown uh, it's on a sunny side of the hill we have sun from morning till night with a wonderful view and it's really not so difficult to make cameras in such a nice place uh, but we did have to accommodate a lot of things which we did not anticipate making a hundred cameras or a few thousand is a much much different uh, different story and in the first kickstarter it was the hardest to scale so much uh, because when the first kickstarter happened we did not have any experience about making cameras at all we were a little bit naive uh, when it comes to that but with a lot of persistence and sleepless nights and all-nighters and a lot of help from friends and family we managed to to get them going while for instance in the second second kickstarter i was secretly hoping to get somewhere near of a thousand backers let's say uh and we were planning uh to do larger quantities of cameras anyways but then we had a completely different problem which was uh, if somebody read our updates in the second Kickstarter, we had a lot of problems with machines and subcontractors and things that were completely, again, unanticipated. And hopefully, third time is a charm. <laughs> I hope I don't. I hope I don't jinx it. But uh, <laughs> all the machines are more or less in the workshop. Uh, so with with the mark 2 and just you talking about the machines elvis I, I think there was um there was a point wasn't there cuz uh, i don't know if um graham mentioned obviously he he has a mark 2 and i also have a mark 2 um and i remember one of the updates um being basically we, we can't get this machine up the hill <laughs> and yeah, it was yeah. it was as as simple as that it was like well what is the option if you can't get the machine to the place it needs to be in you know yeah and how do you deal with that kind of thing when it happens that machine was a machine from hell like i, I really don't know how how, how how to say it differently <laughs> no wonder it was difficult getting it delivered no that that machine weighed more than a ton and access to our home is not the the easiest a gravel road leads leads to here and we had to hire um like an industrial crane that would deliver it into the workshop. And that crane barely fit into our uh, courtyard, just, you know. And the extension of that crane's arm was just barely to fit into the workshop. So on the first delivery, the machine was broken. It actually had a physical breakage in the, in the welding. The welding job was badly done. And then it took them three months to fix the, the welding. Then they finally brought the machine. We put it in the in the workshop, and it didn't work. The specification that they had on their papers uh, in terms of uh, precision just wasn't true. It was off. And for repetition, 
uh, in the Andus, uh, meaning that you can reproduce the same results. This just wasn't wasn't feasible. And yeah, like I like I explained before, we, it took us eight months to get the machine back and get our money back. And after that, we can only proceed to buy new machines. And in this time, we were so late that we just opted to do everything by hand because buying a new CNC and possibly risking another um, delay, another problem with such a with such an item, we just couldn't afford it. And then we just did everything by hand and. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really difficult. One of the most difficult months, I would say, in my life when it comes to this. It really took a toll uh, on everybody here. Yeah. How how do you or how did you cope with this? Because mm. I mean, as it was, you um, I think originally with the Mark II, which you probably went into thinking, well, we know what we're doing this time. We've got a yeah. pretty good idea of how long, and I think you had um, uh, uh, an estimated delivery date of around October in 2015, I think it was. Um, yeah. And then eventually the shipping mostly happened in June, July 2016, yeah. which all things yeah. considered, I think is still pretty impressive. Um, but yeah. when that happened, how how do you how did you cope with it, and how did you cope with the fact that you have to kind of get in touch with backers um and let them know well, this is this is what's happening because it's it's a very hard thing especially when you're also having to deal with the very real problem that's actually right in front of you not just telling people about it but dealing with it as well uh the worst thing with with backers when they um expect uh, updates and you really don't have much to say except that we're doing we're really doing our best and opposites to opinions of some people that we're enjoying holidays and that we're ripoffs and things like that which really which really which really hurt you because you're really doing your best and uh, usually i don't want to take the blame off of me because i was responsible for a lot of things as well but usually delays happen when some other people screw uh screw something up like you're a person that you can't directly influence uh, takes your time in essence. And the only way to deal this will deal with this is to just try and stay positive and try and stay calm. And this works for a certain amount of time. But when you start getting negative feedback on people on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook or wherever, uh, for instance, Ondu is currently the only thing I do since I started. I, di I didn't do any other things. And for me, that's my personal project that I have devoted the most time in my life so far. And it really hurts you to hear all of these negative comments and all of these things, but you just have to you know, suck it up and, and say it's going to be worth it. And in the end, when you do your job properly and the backers who understand the things uh, that are necessary to do this, um, they, will, they, they will see that it was just worth it to wait for such a product. And I really thank, th I'm really thankful to all of those backers that in amongst of this negative negative comments that usually happen on every Kickstarter that's late. Uh, there's a few who have, for instance, done a similar project in terms of 
getting something started from scratch and they understand what it means to just have uh, troubles. It, it just happens. And we have, uh, we have Murphy, which everybody's <laughs> familiar with, uh, Murphy's Law, which just works every time when you don't really need it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it can get difficult, but personal letters, emails, and uplifting comments and stuff like that from, from our backers, those are the, the push that you need and that keeps you going in the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, does it help? Because Ondu is still quite a small company. And am I right in saying that um, you, I, well, I know that you've got some family involvement because I remember with the Mark II that your mum, yeah. I think, was making all, all she of made the, the bags. bags, didn't yeah, she? Yeah. Made yeah. <laughs> so uh, how much of a family affair is Ondu? Uh, currently, uh, my girlfriend, Jessie, is helping me a lot with the actual campaign. Actually, it was just me and her. We don't have a big team. And my brother works with uh, making making the cameras, and my friend Giga. Uh, when we set up the the production, the thing with Ondu is that I used to have really big dreams of a huge company and a lot of cameras and all of these things. But after the second Kickstarter, which did take a toll on me, uh, I decided to calm down and take it much, much more easier. Uh, I really don't have plans for scaling to big heights because I just changed my mindset in terms of what it is, what does it mean to be a creator and what does it mean to have your own company. Um, I like making these things and I will continue inventing new, new products probably in the future. But I just uh, am taking more time for myself than I used to do before in the Mark One and Mark Two. That so, sounds, sounds like a very good plan. If you're trying to create um, mm -hmm. a very sustainable uh, lifestyle and a very sustainable company, making sure that you can sustain yourself seems quite important within that. Yeah. Um, good place to I, start, I, I, but we sometimes forget it, don't we? That actually yeah. you have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I had offers from, from uh, overseas uh, for manufacturing our cameras many times. After every Kickstarter, even, even now, you get contacted by manufacturers uh, all over the world that they can make this, this product uh, for you. And I got tempted, I won't say I wasn't, um, to outsource all of my production somewhere else. But then I said to myself, but that wouldn't be me and what I believe in. And in the end, I just chose to, to make these cameras because in the end, they are still really fun to make. And I really enjoy uh, sending something to the other side of the world that somebody is going to have uh, joy in using. And I wouldn't get that same joy if it was just another number of a camera that, that got shipped somewhere to somebody and... Yeah, it's it's just a different relationship, I think. Yeah. Sometimes when when we make cameras because they're made out of wood, sometimes you get such a fine grain, and you look and you look at that camera and you say to yourself, oh, "Somebody's gonna be really happy when he gets this camera." Like I would really rather keep it for myself, but <laughs> somebody needs to get it. And sometimes you see that camera on Flickr or on Instagram, or I was like, "Oh, this is the person that got it. I'm so happy for them," you know.
so lovely it's it's so personal then isn't it like you know each of those cameras that you've made yeah there's a few steps and in the actual quite a few steps and when making the cameras where i i just don't trust anybody and i have to do every part uh in them so i i know them yeah yeah and i mean and your cameras are such wonderfully not just beautiful but such tactile things because they are made out of this lovely wood and finished so beautifully um and the shape and design of them you know the lovely curves to them um they are something that you know you do kind of form quite they're, they're something you want to hold and uh use um and that sort of that basic design really has carried through very well but it's been three and a bit years three and a bit years since the kickstarter for the mark ii um mm-hmm. and uh, you know three no two years since um yeah. the mark ii shipped um that's quite a long time uh and in that time um and again probably a long before but the pinhole world um has really grown quite a lot that it's getting it seems to be a lot more attention on it now um there's uh a lot more players in the market um and so when you uh, i suppose first off when did you start thinking about the mark three was there was there a point after all you went through with the mark two where you thought no nah, this is fine let's stick with this and this will do forever or are you the kind of person who the moment you'd sent out the last backer reward you were thinking what could we do to make this better next time the First thing I did after sending the last trifocus in, that was in December, those were the last, last cameras. They were super difficult to make and my, my patience was very thin and I really didn't have so much motivation to, to make these cameras. They really did take a toll on my, on both on my physical and my mental health. I was really exhausted. I decided to, to take a break first. I really needed to take a break for a few months and then I said, in uh, in spring or say winter and spring of the previous year so 2017 i wanted to start designing the mark III already really uh, and yeah yeah and i have already uh, i shipped a few kind of really rough prototypes of the of the rise and fall models uh to our backer steven Bolaars, I think is his last name from uh, from the Netherlands. I really like his pinhole photography, and he actually asked me would it, would I be willing to make him make him one, and so that was kind of the first uh, f- first start in thinking about these cameras. But then my my mental capacity just wasn't there. I, I just didn't feel myself comfortable comfortable in. In making the the Mark III, I just wasn't there. I wasn't feeling it, and so that's that's the reason why it took so long. I in in the meantime, I started doing uh, wet plate photography a bit more, and I did uh, I fixed my darkroom uh, for this year uh, completely. That I have a fully functional setup, which I haven't had in the past few years, um, and then this year. I just started prototyping in the beginning of the year. I got a CNC and started making samples, and it slowly trickled into into where we are now. 
I didn't I didn't rush it as I used to in the previous cameras. I really wanted to get it uh, get it done well. So let's talk about the Mark III then, because there are a few notable changes um, mm. on the Mark III from the Mark II. Um, talk talk to us about it. What makes the Mark III uh, a, a significant upgrade, or at least a significant iteration on on what you've been doing before? Yeah. So with uh, from Mark One to Mark II, all those let's say improvements that happened were guided by backers. They said, oh, we would like to see this, we would like to see this, because you can only see so much things that you can change by yourself, but if you have many other people with their suggestions, you can you can uh, make an, a new iteration much, much faster. So going from Mark 1 to Mark 2, it was obvious that some changes needed to be done. And even though the idea for internal sliding shutter was in place even before the Mark One, I have a I have my, a paper um, pinhole. You know those sliding boxes that you just put a paper and then slide a top in uh, type of pinhole. I had one even before the Mark One with an internal sliding shutter, but I never did know how to make them before CNCs were not so accessible, and I just didn't have the know-how. So I never opted for that uh, for that version. Um, and then from the second to the third, we, like you said, we had this big gap of time and a lot of suggestions came from people really all over the world. Uh, and just like you stated, pinhole photographers uh, started getting a bit more serious in their work and they had their own requests. And I figured out that there are so many different types of photographers and different styles and preferences that it would be kind of interesting to see if I can cater to these needs. And one of these needs was the improved shutter. That was the first thing that had to be improved because the previous shutter, although it worked, let's say, fine, uh, if the humidity would change, the shutter would uh, either stiffen or get more smooth. And I found out also, when I got on my travels, that was sometimes a little bit of a hassle. You had to carry a screwdriver and you had to adjust the tension. Like nothing was wrong with the actual camera, but you just—it was just an, an unnecessary uh, thing, another, another fidget that you had to worry about when you use the cameras. So I put this shutter on the inside, the internal sliding shutter, as we call it now, and. This led to the possibility to use the camera with magnets. A lot of backers wanted to use the magnets, but before it was just not possible because the shutter was obstructing the, the, the view. Uh, you, there was just no place to put. Sorry, the, when you say, you say, do you mean filters, Elvis? Uh, filters, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not magnets. Well, you have lots of magnets <laughs> yeah, yeah. already, it's filters. <laughs> yeah, 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 filters, filters, sorry. Uh, yeah. And so that's, that's another um, another thing that I, I hear and what I, what I read. Backers are really excited, the possibility to use filters. And even, even for me, I'm really excited. I'm a big fan of infrared photography, and I have a whole fridge of FK uh, infrared films. And I'm just waiting now for summer to come back again to to use these infrared filters on it. So uh, help me a little bit if I'm wearing wearing off from the subject. 
No, not um, at all. Not at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea behind the Mark III is that I wanted to make a tool. I didn't want to like the Mark II worked well. It was a nice and fine camera, but I felt that it still had a little bit of a toyish aesthetic to it. I I, I felt that it needed to kind of get a little bit more robust in its appearance and its visuals uh, and also the components that get into it to give it a little bit more of a tool uh, feel to it so that you, when you take the camera, you're not just taking a camera, but you're, you know, you're taking your, your, your tool pinhole with you uh, to to take images. And that's why I included these uh, with the black undos, with the, with the dark variations, the black anodized aluminum, and with the white ones, the silver uh, aluminum details that are, that are seen on the camera. Mm. Uh, I wanted to give it a little bit more of a nicer look, a more, uh, I wouldn't call it prestige, but like a, a finer crafted instrument, let's call it like that. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, the, how, when you sort of cracked the um, the solution, when you sort of finally arrived at the design for the new shutters in particular, how how pleased were you? Because as somebody who clearly, from the get-go, your design sensibilities are very strong. You like making things which are, um, you know, very in, in a kind of a very iPhone-esque way, very elegantly designed. And the shutter was of, of the Mark One and Mark Two was probably the only thing that you looked at and go, well, it's functional, but it's not as elegant as the rest of the camera. How how yeah. thrilled once you got the new shutter? How pleased were you with that? Uh, it took me a lot of concepts. Even I, I wanted to make again an, a shutter on the outside that I could still integrate the 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 filters, and I had a lot of ideas from uh, pneumatic shutters that that are completely hidden inside, so that you wouldn't even have this pin protruding on the outside. That the whole front of the camera would be completely clean, and. Uh, in the end, this one just worked well. I actually took one of my old cameras that I had in the in my uh, archives, and I said, "Why don't I just stick with something that I made even before the before the Mark One?" And with the help of my CNC and some three D prints to make the prototypes, I just when I heard that first click, when you open it, it makes a click now because the the magnet pulls it to one side. I was just like, oh, this is this, this feels good. And even now, when I use these these prototypes that I have, I, I just it, it just feels exciting to, for instance, when you when you wind the film, you open the red window shutter, which wasn't there before, and it also clicks. And all of these clicks just give you just give you like a, you get into a routine kind of. You're like click 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 rewind slide. And it has these—I don't know—I just like this these tactile feedback that I get from the camera, which I didn't get before. And so you, you've made yeah. a sort of camera slash fidget cube crossover with this camera. Uh, yeah, when I, when I was prototyping prototyping the shutters, I, I would just take a, a small portion of the camera so that I didn't consume so much wood uh, for for making uh, these prototypes. And one of them was 
like maybe six by three centimeters or less um, shutter and I would just hold it in my hand and fidget with it and one of the ideas was to make a, a fidget uh, shutter for uh, for a reward for people that didn't want a camera but they just wanted to have a kind of a shutter fidget toe and that was one of our one of our jokes as a as a kind of a backer uh, reward but then in the end we said you know, that we shouldn't make <laughs> another Another useless object. If somebody wants a, wants a camera, you you can have it. And also in our video, you can see Giga kind of playing with the with the with the magnet. And when we were filming the video, he he was actually fidgeting all the time. It just I don't know. It's a nice thing. Yeah. So talk to me about the filters then, because um, looking at the video, so how do the filters work with the camera because as you said the the biggest problem with the previous models was that it was <clears throat> almost impossible or, or very very difficult to use filters with them because of the way that the shutters work it made them almost impossible um and so how are the filters going to work with this I mean, obviously the fact that you haven't got a shutter that's coming down over the lens makes it instantly easy but how are they attaching so we have hidden magnets on the inside of the camera body on the front place. There's two uh, neodymium magnets, and on the outside, uh, with every with every undo, you get uh, a filter attachment. So it's essentially a wooden wooden frame with two magnets uh, lodged into it and a filter thread. Uh, so you just essentially thread the filter on onto this attachment and you just snap it on. And this gives you the possibility to swap filters really easy or if you want one photo without the filter, one photo with the filter and so on. Uh, the only limit, the only limitation we had, for instance, with the rise versions, with the pinhole, with the cameras with three holes was that we couldn't use a circular filter uh, because of physical limitations. It would interfere with, uh, with that uh, very wide angle uh, if we open the top or the bottom pinhole. So for for these cameras, we opted to use a <clears throat> excuse me, uh, cooking or I don't know how you pronounce those uh, cooking style filters. Yeah. Those flat uh, filters, uh, and they work really well based on our test. It's a lovely, elegant solution. I have to ask because I mean, obviously, these magnets come in different strengths. And speaking as somebody who has uh, nearly lost a finger to the magnets on the back of the camera before now, because those magnets yeah. are pretty strong. Um, yeah, are, are these ones a little less fierce? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> they they are a little bit less less strong because we figured that there's really no need for almost there's I think two and a half kilos of holding strength. Uh, when you combine all of these camera uh, magnets, so we just bump this a little bit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems yeah. that seems wise. Um, and yeah. we've tried to explain it in the past, but could you explain the rise and fall features? How how they work in general, what their purpose is, and how they work on the cameras that you're making that have these now? Because that's that's something you've extended out from the last round, wasn't it? Because I think in the last round they were only on the large format cameras. Am I right in saying? Mm, no, actually, on the on the on the Mark II, we just had those trifocus, which was a camera which used it, which used uh, three different holes, but they were uh, they were situated on a on a turret, uh, but they they were not situated on different uh, levels of the film plane. They were in the center. They were not uh, tilted. Yeah. Uh, 
to the upper third or lower third. So this is the first time we're we're using this uh, in the in the onduce. And this was a feature again suggested by a lot of our backers. And during those years, I had a I I I don't know if you saw the book from a pinhole maker named Peter Olpe. No, you know his I book out of, out no. of focus. Oh. Um, is this a modern uh, book or is this one that was from you know a, an, an older book? It was in 2012 it was published mm -hmm. uh, and he was a pinhole designer from Switzerland if I'm if I understand if I remember correctly and he would make these crazy crazy pinholes in the in the 80s and for me that was so astonishing to see that even before I was born I was born in 1987 there was there were there was this amazing designer making these crazy crazy concepts and if you look at that book you're going to see a lot of similarities with the mark with the mark three and and his designs he used to make cardboard and paper cameras uh, and ship them all over the world to various artists um, including uh, i think nancy also uh, nancy spencer uh, from pinhole resource uh, if you know them uh, they also participated in, in in this book, and yeah, that's that's kind of where I got the initial idea for these uh, pinholes, and also from my previous paper tests when I did in uh, in university, I would make a pinhole with four holes, and the images would overlap onto onto each other, and. So it kind of went from there and also from how our backers uh, suggested that they would like a camera which uh, they can shift the horizon of the image by opening either a upper or middle or lower hole. And if you want, I can explain this a little bit more in detail. Uh, yeah, that, that would be great, actually, because I don't yeah. really understand. <laughs> okay. So in your, in your regular undo, the single hold, you take, uh, let's say, a horizon, uh, a picture of a landscape with a horizon. And if you use the leveling bulb, which is situated on the top, when you expose this image, the horizon will sit completely uh, centered if, if, if we level it. And every, for instance, tree or any vertical lines uh, that are away uh, in the distance, they should be completely vertical. Uh, they should be vertical, yeah. And if we were to tilt the horizon to the bottom third by lifting the camera up, we would have distortions in the vertical lines. Am I making? Am, am, am I explaining yes. this? Uh, okay. So, and if you tilted it downwards to have the horizon the upper third, you would have another again distortions in the vertical lines. And some people, especially in landscape photography in architecture, in things where you would like to keep the vertical line still straight, uh, these rise and fall features come in handy. And this is also a, a concept borrowed from large format photography where you have uh, lens rise and fall, where you can change uh, the actual, what, what the camera sees without moving the, for instance, the tripod. You can just move the lens higher 
and it shows a higher picture without uh, without distorting the the perspective of the image. That's kind of the basic idea behind it, and it allows you in some in some cases to get really close to your details uh, and expose, for instance, from ground level up, or 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 vice versa. That's a very good way of explaining because I think, uh, although I've had the rough idea that you're moving the horizon up and down, I was never entirely sure why you were doing it and why you couldn't just point it, but that that really does help. Um, yeah. So a lot of good features that have been added on to the Mark III, um, and as I, I, I do think that the, the new shutters, just purely from an aesthetic point of view, look really cool um and i can see why with the filters um because that does seem uh, having spoken to and heard on um things like the lensless podcast which focuses on on pinhole photography um yeah how important being able to use filters is i know a lot of people are very fond of um the reality so subtle cameras which i'm sure you're familiar with um made by james um yeah and um, you know they're, they're great cameras. They're hugely functional cameras, and and their yeah. ability to take filters. Um, so it's fantastic seeing this come to the Ondu cameras, and uh, and the fact that you've made them to be a a more robust tool. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you want with them. You want you want them to be out there and used, um, and uh, and to build them a bit sturdy is fantastic. You um you got the machines in place. Now you went through all of that pain with the Mark II. Um, and so you kind of, you're in a far better place now. Why did you decide to go with Kickstarter again for this rather than just going, okay, let's just make a new one and um, put that out there? W- what was it that brought you back to Kickstarter a third time? One thing which I'm really uh, bad at is consistency. I like to do things in batches. I like to make things at one time a lot, and then I like to take a break. That's kind of my uh, philosophy right now and focus on other things. And I said to myself, this is also since, for instance, these rise and fall features and so on, I did not know if people would uh, would, uh, would like it, if it would be enough interest. And so it was kind of a no-brainer for me to to give it uh, another go on Kickstarter and give people the chance to give us their feedback if we can still make some minor changes. And for instance, now we're, I think, 11 day into our campaign and the suggestion came that we should attach, uh, I don't know how you call it, a film, film reminder slot on the actual camera. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people have many cameras at home and sometimes they forget which film is loaded in, I can't in the believe actual people would camera. do that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've, I've done that myself many times, but I never figured that maybe that would be a, a useful addition. So we're really looking into uh, doing something like that for the for the Mark III, at least for the 120 uh, film versions. So, yeah, to put it short, I really like to get extra feedback from the people, what they like about the cameras, what they not, if we can improve more things, and also the ease of making things in batches. I'm uh, I like streamlining my work, and it's just easier to make a lot of cameras at once than uh, stringing them slowly across, and also 
one thing which is not a secret kickstarter just gives really good exposure yeah uh, for your work and it's also uh kind of a what do you call it uh market te- market testing to see if people are excited about these new features because for instance the new cameras don't have that dual color uh color scheme which was present in the mark one and mark two um i didn't know how people would react to it will they like the unicolor so either bright or either dark versions and this was also another way to test uh if if it's gonna go well yeah and how has yeah. the response been so far <clears throat> so far everybody really really likes the cameras yeah uh, i think i think we've given given it our best in terms of uh, what's possible to do for such a price, uh, for such a quality product, um, I think it's much harder to go uh, better, especially if you're doing it uh, here in Europe uh, at home. If we would outsource our cameras to somewhere abroad where maybe labor could be cheaper uh, and materials could be cheaper, and stuff like that uh, we could improve a few more things on the functionality of the cameras but i think for now and how things are this is uh, the, the best thing we could come up so far and i'm actually really proud of how the the mark III is functioning and i'm really looking forward to the day that the first backers get their their cameras in their hands because one of the pleasures of making things which are able to create other things, in this case memories, is seeing the final results from uh, from people. Because uh, even though I really enjoy taking pinhole uh, pictures, I don't consider myself as a good pinhole photographer. I just like to take pinholes. Yeah, it is an amazing feeling, isn't it? Seeing what other people create with something that you put out there, I guess. I mean, on a very, very small scale, like I um, make some little kits and things. And and yeah. um, one part of that is um, so that people can make their own cyanotype print. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and just sort of, it's just amazing seeing the creativity from other people that you kind of like put this little thing out into, you put this thing out into the world and then go see what you make with it and just seeing what other people bring back is incredible so you must find that that is just wonderful to like see and and witness yeah it's really amazing because some people go on on really long trips and mm. they 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 take uh, their ondas with them and come back with with such amazing results that in times where where you might feel a little bit down you just I just go to my to, to the Andu Flickr group and mm-hmm. check out the, the latest missions and it just feels good to know that <laughs> somebody somewhere is using a thing that you were that you made mm. it came from your head. You created all of these things and concepts and all of this and in the end you, you used your hands to make it and mm-hmm. somebody there is really enjoying and, and using it and it's just a special feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like emails and comments i have them plastered all around my computer as that's so good yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, it can be so easy i'm sure you know yeah. you uh, this is something you'll have obviously come across but it can be that 
kind of disheartening at some points, you know, and, and obviously it's a big roller coaster going through something like this and, and yeah. you know, trying to keep motivated and trying to keep, you know, the end goal in sight, I suppose, yeah. is is yeah. difficult. So that's nice to know how you deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I so I, I can completely understand um, why Kickstarter one it gives you the opportunity to deal with these in a batch way, as you said, make a big load of them. And, and also it kind of, you go, okay, we're going to do this. And then you've committed to a thing you, and you you have to kind of see it through. Whereas you could easily just keep iterating and mucking around with things and not move forward. Um, yeah. And so I can see why I can absolutely see why. And, and of course the marketing, although it must, well, I don't know. Is it frustrating for you that, that, you know, you're, you have now, what is the you know the best iteration of this camera that you can possibly make at the moment um certainly in comparison to the mark 1 but the mark 1 got so much broader press and and here you are with a, a far better product in most ways and getting the mainstream press to look again is so hard isn't it yeah the the internet has changed a lot in the in the past 5 years uh that that that's what I have figured out. And one of our kind of goals, let's say if we can, I hope we're, we'll get there, but we didn't want to put any advertising into the into the Mark III. We said, uh, those people who will like it, they will buy it. And eventually word of mouth should do its, uh, should, should do it, should do the Mark III. It's uh, kind of, should give it its reputation because we really think it's a really good camera. But yeah, if I, I completely understand that five years ago, somebody, some, let's call it, uh, it was, it was a fun story. It was me and my brother making things on a farm and it was just kind of a lovely fairy tale story that mm -hmm. people grabbed onto. And it was, let's say the first of its kind on Kickstarter. I like, it, pinhole photography five years ago wasn't so so popular in my opinion as as it is now and it was of course uh, surprising to me that the media did pick it up but i think it's it's still doing well given the fact that today there are so many other amazing products uh, not 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 talking about pinhole photography but in general that that are just flooding Kickstarter yeah. and it's just on, on the actual page. It's so hard to stay up there visible amongst so, so many uh, crazy good things that are, that are happening there. Um, but it's still working. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's also difficult in a certain sense, um, coming back to uh, sell another camera when a part of the sales pitch of the last one was, well, this is a camera you'll be able to hand down to your children. It's like, well, <laughs> the problem is you've already sold that one once. But um, the fact that you're already at three times what you were searching for um, or three yeah. times what you were, um, But you've talked already about how with the Mark One you – just you know, the the, the um, scaling was a big problem. You just didn't know how to make that many cameras, and you had to go through all of that. And with the Mark II, you had a lot of problems that were ostensibly completely out of your hands to solve, and it caused you a lot of stress. Um, and um, did that put you off coming back to Kickstarter, or do you feel like at this point 
with where you are at with regards to the setup that actually you don't need anybody else to do anything that you're quite self-sufficient now you just need to actually make the cameras yeah uh, even uh, I haven't fully decided if I'm gonna make the shutters even though for the prototypes I made them at home uh, out of uh, out, out of aluminum uh, depending on the on on the final number of, of backers how much there will be but more or less everything else regarding to wood is much much simpler to make uh, also because I kind of know what I'm doing now compared to the uh, Mark One and the beginning of Mark Two, uh, and also that with the help of CNC machining, there will be a little bit less uh, problems with uh, with with manufacturing because when you have so much manual labor as there was present in the Mark II. Every hole, every slot, every everything was made completely by hand. And sometimes, uh, even though you would set up checkpoints during the manufacturing process, a worker could forget it. He, he was not sleeping well that night or he has, you know, people make mistakes and that's a normal part of life. And we're trying to take those equations out with a bit more manufacturing with CNC on those crucial parts. There's a still a lot, a lot uh, in the cameras that, that, could, that, that needs human hands to make it, but those really crucial components like the front plate and the back plate and those dimensions in terms of fitting it, uh, they will hopefully be made completely by a CNC machine right now. Yeah, so you your um, estimated delivery date is May next year, which is not very far away. Yeah, uh, and and I and I say this in the full knowledge that um, almost every Kickstarter project we've ever discussed, almost everyone slips. But are you pretty confident that you're going to be able to hit that? Yeah, I think it should go well. Um, we, we've we... got this recorded. I hope you realize. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wrote on the on the on the second Kickstarter. I was like, oh, we're completely confident. We're gonna do this, no problem. Uh, but also, I think uh, the amount of cameras that we made in the second second Kickstarter was much much bigger than than uh, what I think will be present now. In part because the cameras, since they are a bit more complicated, are a bit more expensive compared to the Mark II. And even though we're now at 64,000 US dollars in pledges with 23 days to go, uh, I don't think we will be making a few thousand cameras as we made in the, in the Mark II. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. we, we, will, we will just focus on the backers this time uh, around. And there's a, there's a strong, nice and funny team uh, that's willing to push through and make this happen that's cool um yeah. you you've talked about how this at the moment the mark three is kind of as far as you can go with this i mean and i say this and i suspect as soon as you've shipped all these mark threes you'll suddenly think of something else you can do but um you have also started looking into other things uh 
And the first thing that you've uh, started alluding to, even on the Kickstarter page, is the tripods. Um, so I know that this is a thing that you're, um, you know, you're only just starting at the static tripods. But um, wh- where's that going, and what's what's the future for those? Uh, even since the since the second Kickstarter, people started asking us about making wooden tripods because they 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 thought that fitting a, a wooden camera on an aluminum or carbon fiber tripod just just didn't feel feel right. So um, I took that idea and kind of played with it uh, in part to see how it looked like and. I made a few tiny little prototypes just to see how, how it feels in my hands. And in the end, I, I decided to make, uh, I don't know, four or five of them and just just use them in the campaign and see if people will, will like them if, and if there's any feedback. Just, you know, when we're done with the, with the Mark III, uh, maybe there will be a need for, for, for a wooden tripod. But I am not even thinking about it right now in terms of making something like that because a tripod is in some ways quite a complicated thing. It needs to be solid. It needs to be, um, uh, how you call it? My anger is not so good. it needs to dampen vibrations. It needs to react to environments, moisture, and things like that. It needs to run smoothly. And when you look at tripods on the market today, you can get all of these features for a very, very, very low price. And I'm not entirely certain there is a room for an ondo static tripod at this moment. Uh, I might be, I might be wrong, but at the moment, it was just like. An idea that I put out there, and just to see if people are interested. There is some feedback; people like it, how it looks like, and the idea behind it. But uh, I think time will tell if we will move into that general direction in terms of uh, making it. And you put on the um, Kickstarter page that you you may just put the design, um, make it available for people who want to to three D print it um, if, yeah. at some point in the future, also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I just have a few modifications that I would like to implement into the design, and as soon as that's ready, uh, I'm gonna give the put the put the files up to Thingiverse, and if somebody wants to make it, uh, by all means, yeah. Can I just say I would absolutely love the static. I'd I'd love that as a as a wooden tripod. I think is is just fantastic. So, um, I've been sitting here whilst we've been obviously talking and 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 listening to you and thinking when's he going to mention the static? When's he going to mention the static? And and so thank you for bringing that up, Graham. And yeah. just to give you the very first you know pieces of feedback. Uh, it sounds like you've already had some from from other backers, but um, yeah. from my perspective, I'm you know. I'm not somebody who gets very normally excited about tripods and I saw that and thought oh my god this is so beautiful it's so nice and it would be wooden and it would like match all my other other camera oh it'd be so lovely so there you yeah. go <laughs> oh, okay all right that's, that's good to hear I, 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 I'm inclined to agree Rachel I think you'll find plenty of people out there for whom that would actually be quite appealing um, yeah because uh, they, they do look gorgeous I'm guessing they wouldn't be super heavy either and um, yeah. and it's a perfect accompaniment for the uh, on-do cameras. Um, 
I, uh, to finish up, I because I, I feel a little bit bad asking you about this because you're right in the middle of the Kickstarter for this um, yeah. lovely camera at the moment. But uh, as you have said, this at the moment, as I've mentioned, this is kind of this is where you can get pinhole cameras to, uh, and it is a it is a a beautiful looking camera and all the design. I mean, obviously, I haven't got my hands on one, but it, mm-hmm. knowing my from my experience with your past build quality. Um, I have every confidence that they're going to feel as good to use as they look. Um, what is going to be once you've got this done? Because in some ways, sort of the creative work for you is done now. As the designer, you've done this, and now it's a case of okay, get this project through, and it's already been a success. Manufacturing and then at the manufacturing. Moment now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what does the future hold for Ondo? Uh, are we are you going to pivot away from doing pinhole? You said that you've been doing uh, wet plate work yourself. Uh, could we see um, some large format cameras coming from Ondo? You know, are there other things that you're looking at, thinking you know maybe maybe it's time to expand the family in different directions? One of the ideas that I had, uh, I'm a really big fan of open source projects. Uh, and one of the ideas that I've been working on this year as well in between designing these cameras, uh, especially because I started taking wet plates a few years ago, is that I wanted to make an open source kit, uh, so downloadable files for uh, for a 3D, uh, I mean 3D, for a large format camera, so 4x5, 5x7, and 8x10. Those are kind of my ideas, but I am not entirely certain that I would go into making uh, an actual uh, large format camera because I think there are so many out there uh, currently uh, that are so cheap and so very well made. Uh, I don't think there's room for a, for a non-do large format camera. I think, I think that that place should stay for people that are already making them, but I think there is room for an open source uh, project with a little twist, which I can't really talk about except uh, to say that it has uh, it has something to do with wet plate photography. I, I found something which Ooh. might be interesting <laughs> for wet plate photographers in terms of large format uh, photography. And that's one 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 idea that I have, and it has been brewing in my head for a very long time. And maybe bring that uh, to to fruition uh, next year. That sounds uh, so exciting. Yeah, Ooh, it's very tantalizing. That you're not telling us <laughs> <yeah>. much, Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, like I said, I don't. I really don't think we will. We will ever enter the the large format market because, mm-hmm. like for instance, Intrepid and uh, Stenopeka or I don't know Chamonix, which are a bit more expensive. But uh, there's so many new, uh, very well put together large format cameras out there. And uh, I don't think there's much to 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 do there in well, terms of uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to watch this space because um, there are also a lot of people making very good pinhole cameras, and yet still uh, you you are here and you are bringing something to the market and bringing your own stuff to the market. So I I I am not convinced that you might not at some <laughs> point in the future go eh, maybe. <laughs> 
maybe this is a thing. Yeah. Um, to finish up, um, for, um, for listeners who uh, have maybe found their way to the Kickstarter page, which they absolutely should do, because um, there's loads of fun videos on the Kickstarter page of all this stuff in action. Um, mm. The one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, as somebody who maybe doesn't own a pinhole camera, or maybe does have a pinhole camera, you have a really broad range of cameras on offer, from the 135 little ones, and then you've got the 135 panoramic, and then um, medium format cameras and large format cameras. Do you have... Uh, okay, two-part question. One, do you have a favourite yourself? And two, which one do you think is... if For somebody who's maybe just getting into pinhole photography, who comes and looks at all these ones you've got on offer and is, quite frankly, like a little bit bowled over by the choice, which one would you say, if you're just starting, give this a go? If you're just starting, give this a go. I would say the 6x6 with the 135 adapter because uh, it gives you the option to use 135 film. Uh, it's a relatively panoramic kind of view. And after a while, if you see that you would like to get more out of your pinhole camera, which sooner or later, a lot of pinhole photographers do, they realize that the Leica format is just a bit too small for their liking. They would like to get a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more information on their pinholes. Uh, I would suggest the 6x6. Uh, just because of its versatility right now due to the red window shutter that we have included in the Mark III. Um, but if you're certain that you, for instance, don't have capabilities to develop 120 film, if you don't develop your own film or your lab does not have uh, roll film development uh, machines or how you call it, then the, the panoramic I think the panoramic is a wonderful camera and it still produces really, really good results. That's good. Uh, can I ask a, yeah. a perhaps a stupid question, but I definitely don't know the answer. So yeah. with the um, 35 millimeter inserts, you can use 35 yeah. mil film in the medium format cameras. How, yeah. how do people know how far to turn the film? On the on the on the the pocket and the one three five, we put a clicker inside. Mm -hmm. So there's a tiny piece of plastic, and when you wind it, it clicks, and you count the number of clicks on the perforations on the on the film, and this tells you how far you have to wind. But with the medium format cameras, this is kind of difficult to <laughs> master. I I. I thought of magnet inserts that you put in when you use the 135 adapter, but it's kind of, I, I still haven't found an optimal way that isn't fidgety and that you can't lose it and things like that. So for now, the, the 120 versions would be more or less uh, guesswork, but I'm hoping before we manage to ship these cameras out, since we have CNCs and 3D printers in shop right now, that I will be able to figure out an elegant solution which will work with 120 cameras, both in roll film or with the Leica format. That will kind of be my... I have that goal in my head, but I still haven't figured out how to make it so that you can switch between these two formats without that clicker interfering 
while you're using the 120 film. Still some puzzles to be solved then. Yeah, but I think they're not unbreakable. I... It will just add to the charm of yeah. the Ondo and their versatility that I'm trying to make. I actually use the um, the grain in the wood of of the um, the the turning handle to yeah. to ga gauge it because the, yeah. there happens to be a um, on on mine <laughs> there yeah. happens yeah. to be a a, a straight ish line yeah. Um, yeah. of of grain so I go okay I do one and a half of those and that means that I've yeah. moved one frame of thirty five mil. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. The, the difficulty is obviously between when you've got one that's converting from one format to the other, it yeah. is more complicated, isn't it? More complex. Yeah, yeah. I, w I would really like to figure this out for the for the role uh, for the 120 formats, just because film is uh, is quite expensive, and mm -hmm. it's really really a waste to see film, uh, you know, get, getting unused due to the uncertainty of winding the the camera so i really would like to get that solved before the cameras get out and i will keep our backers updated on our updates what's happening around and and if not in this one then at least you know where to start with the upgrade on the mark four so that <laughs> i don't i i uh, i don't think i'm i'm gonna make a mark four i'm really happy with this camera <laughs> that sounds, um, yeah Elvis, thank you so much for joining us this mm. evening. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing about everything that's been going on over there and and about the, just the journey that you've been through getting to where you are now with it, the ups and very much the downs as well. Um, you've still got, uh, well, as we record this, 23 days to go, so it'll be about 20 days to go at the moment. Uh, the project is doing incredibly well. You've raised £64,000 uh, 20, Amazing! 20, um, I actually had the, uh, you, I, whilst we've been recording, I saw somebody else back it and saw the number mm -hmm. go up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah. As as Rachel said, as both as both of us are people, and Rachel currently has my camera as well. So um, I do. I've Rachel, got both the undos at the moment. She's the both, them. The, I have two thirds of the Sunny Sixteen podcasts um, oh. undos at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I have I've very much enjoyed using yours in the past, and I heartily recommend that listeners go and have a look at the website um, at the Kickstarter project. Um, they're just they're just beautiful cameras to look at, <laughs> even if you just want to start them go and look at nice pictures of beautifully made things. Um, it's there. <laughs> Where else should listeners go to find out about you and your stuff? Mm, our website uh, is another, or our uh, uh, Instagram. Okay. That's where we, but that's where we spend most time posting because it is uh, how we found. It gives more, more, most feedback than any other uh, social media platform that we're on. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but I mean Facebook and Twitter. But Instagram kind of. Uh, really follows through with the uh, constant tagging and updates and it's just really nice to see such a flourishing community of pinhole photographers um posting pictures from every every possible corner of this earth and yeah on our website is on the pinhole.com uh, but it's it's not happening now so much there because all of our focus is on the Kickstarter page. Yeah, and um, and what's the Instagram account called? Is it just on Do Pinhole or? 
On the pinhole, that's it. On the and you mentioned earlier about a Flickr page where people are sharing images that are made. Um, what's the name of that group? You just uh, type in on the pinhole Flickr group and the images are there. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just before just before we finish, can I ask the um the photos of the uh of the lady in the yellow sweatshirt? She's she's yeah. cuddling cuddling a beautiful dog there as well. Is yeah. that the dog that you is that your dog that you mentioned? Yeah, th- that's Nanook. Yeah. Oh Nanook. Oh it looks so like my Marcy. <laughs> oh mostly a different colour, but uh, but yeah. very, very similar look. So yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a German shepherd and a husky mix. Oh well, there you go. Because mine's a husky and a collie mix. So, oh yeah. wow! Nice. Oh, that <laughs> so, has so, to be a ball of energy then. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Graham's nice. done quite a bit of uh, wrestling with her, haven't you? Graham? Yeah, I love Marty. Best <laughs> dog ever. <laughs> a good big dog for playing with. So, such a good name as well, Nanook. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <bless> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. The, yeah, it's it's lovely seeing the photos of, uh, uh, and I can see him modelling one of the one of the cameras as well in one of your. Oh yeah, uh, it was it was a doggy treat uh, kind <laughs> of exchange. I said to him, if you sit here and you make me, if I can make this shot, you're gonna get a doggy treat. And we hiked, yeah, we hiked like four hours to that spot, and we slept there in the night and waited for the sunrise for those oh. uh, shots. Uh, also for the promo shots and so on because we have a brand new bivouac uh, brand new, it's a few years old but they set it up uh, in our mountains here and I really like the the design Mm -hmm. of it and so we did some promo shots uh, out there in the mountains and Nanook went with us he's quite the unadventurous dog he likes mountains amazing Well, he awesome. likes skiing. Hang on, <laughs> my Sorry. dog likes skiing. <laughs> yeah, no. When when we go tour skiing in in winter, so uh, um, yeah, are you familiar with tour skiing? With, with which skiing? Sorry, tour skiing. No. So you have uh, we call them dogs. You put them on your skis. Okay. It's essentially kind of like a hairy strip of uh, fabric, and you can go uphill with it. Huh? And when you get to the top, you peel that skin away and then you ski down. And he goes with us almost everywhere. That's uh, so good. Yeah. <sighs> well, there you go, listeners. A lot of effort has clearly gone into just getting the pictures for, for yeah. the promo. So this is, a, you, you've got to go and see this and you'll get to see a pictures mm-hmm. of dogs. So you get to go and see a picture <laughs> of the dog. If that doesn't drag you to it, then nothing is. Um, thank you again so much for taking the time out to do this. Uh, I know you're um, incredibly busy at the moment and I'm sure the way that Kickstarter is going, you're going to be incredibly mm. busy for the next few months as well. I cannot yeah, wait to see some of these cameras out in the world and the work that people create with them. Um, very best of luck with it all. Uh, and, and, and the tripod. And the well. tripod, yeah, <laughs> we will excited. watch that with bated breath. You, you, <laughs> you have to let us know. Um, but uh, listeners, okay, so anybody listening, go and look at the Kickstarter page, go right down to the bottom, look at the static tripods, and if you think they look super cool, then you message Ondu and let them know. And if we nag them enough then Elvis will make them. This has to be a harassment campaign. Let's let's bully her. Let's not, not bully, actually. Let's not do that. But let's just ask nicely, say, Elvis, we'd really like this. And we'd like it even more if your mum could make a bag for it to go in. Is your mum making bags for these cameras, Elvis? 
Mom's making bags. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We bought we bought two professional sewing machines, uh, especially for the Kickstarter campaign uh, for the Mark II, and now we have them uh, available at all times. So, uh, what's your mum's name, Elvis? Fatima. Oh well, handmade by Tima. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, right. Well. <laughs> That will do us for this week. We will let Elvis go and I hope get some sleep because I suspect you probably need it. I know you've got a busy week in front of you. Um, where is it you're yeah. off to? The, the wilds of... Um, where was it you going to? You did tell me. Uh, uh, we're going to we're going to Bosnia. My grandma has her 80th birthday on Tuesday. So we're, we're planning a kind of a surprise visit. So. Yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. We'll have a lovely time at your grandma's 80th birthday. Um, yeah, shooting pinhole, shooting of pinhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring a few for sure. Good, glad to hear it. Uh, listeners, as always, you can find us uh, at sunny16podcast.com and at sunny16podcast on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. and um, I think sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Come oh, oh, if yeah, you want to email us. Yes, and please do email <laughs> us. We love getting your emails and we love having a venue to read them out and dig into them now uh, on backing paper, um, uh, which is great fun. And I hope you enjoyed <laughs> being exposed to Dave earlier this week, um, which is a treat for everybody. Um, we will be back next week with another lovely show for you all. Until then, from us all here, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.